Hello, everyone. This is Jack Robinson. This is October 26th, uh, Tuesday evening. This is Decoding the Matrix, episode two, featuring my brother Ben. What's up, Ben? What's up? What's up? You ready to uh, talk about the shitty things going on in the world? Yes, but see, we can't be demoralized. We'll come back to that later. (laughs) Well, kind of. So we were talking before. Um, I'm, I'm locked out of my Twitter account. So what I wanted to tell you, and I don't know what to do other than, I guess, do I call Twitter? Because I've tried to, I have my account, um, but I'd set up two accounts on the same email. And mm. the one that I, it keeps resetting to is the other one, which was way back when it was like a sports team account. It was our bowling team Twitter. <laughs> That one's been hacked by China already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're done with that one. At least your uh, my first Twitter email was um, Nacho Libre ninety nine. So I don't know what <laughs> what inspired me to one. come up with that. But uh, good luck getting in in contact with Jack Dorsey on getting your account resurfaced. He's too busy censoring the conservative population from Twitter. Yeah, he's actually interesting. He uh, tweeted recently, uh, like that we actually have hyperinflation. I don't know yep. if you saw that. I did. I was yeah. actually just trying to scroll and find it, but he must have. Oh, yep. He I said hyper hyperinflation is going to change everything. It's happening. I so. feel like he's right, um, and there's a lot of moving parts here, but. I got an email from one of the supplement companies I use uh, claiming that they're going to be increasing the prices. So they gave me a date to lock in like a subscription price. And they, they mentioned supply chain issues. and How, how um, expensive was it going to get? I don't know yet. Um, so it's still at the regular price. They didn't oh, really they just mention. said that it was going to go up eventually. Yeah. I'll actually read you uh, the email real quick. It was so an update on pricing and supply chain. Dear Jack, thank you for being a loyal supporter. Um, we do our best to honor your loyalty, which is the purpose of this email today. Over the last 12 months, our cost for raw ingredients, packaging, and shipping have all increased. Our partners have notified us the cost will continue to increase and there will likely be significant supply shortages next year. We have absorbed all costs thus far. In order to partially compensate for the continued cost increase, we'll be raising prices beginning Tuesday, November 2. Um, we want to honor your commitment to us so you can maintain current price, blah, blah, blah. And that's just, yeah. I mean, this is a nutritional supplement company, right? Yeah. I mean, these are going to be the types of businesses that we're going to see go out of business because, I mean, unless you... Your right. only market is the people that are, you know, the fitness, they're super into it. They, they consider that good a necessity in their life. If exactly. it's something that I'm just buying to buy, like I see the price go up four or five bucks. I'm like, ah, I'm done. And they're going to lose those customers. We're going to see this huge ripple effect across the rest of the industry. So definitely a small thing, but going to turn into a bigger thing here pretty soon, which is scary. Yeah. It's like, uh, we've been hearing this like all year, pretty much, um, in terms of price increases and inflation. And it's weird how, uh, you know, the left, they, they don't like to acknowledge it or they won't even, you know, 
yeah, they won't even acknowledge that there is this issue going on and it's because of their printing of the fiat money. And so to, to kind of talk, talk about that too, I saw something this morning um, that this is going to be the most expensive Thanksgiving feast ever. And I'm not <laughs> sure how they, <laughs> it's our, our fat ass Americans, but yeah, is that um, we're I fat? guess depending on like the average serving size and, you know, the things that are considered essential to cook a Thanksgiving meal, which I guess they track annually, um, this will be the most expensive one ever. So that just kind of shows the, I guess, Hyper small, yeah, but just like stuff that we don't think about. And sure enough, you're going to have this huge family meal. And like, damn, this is a lot more expensive than it was last year. So just obviously we're not doing that yet because we don't have our own families and stuff. But yeah, something to think about. It's definitely like a huge, uh, like it's like a boa constrictor on the average American right now, especially too when your job sends you an email saying you have to get a vaccine or or you're fired. And that's just like the freaking the yeah. last squeeze of the boa. Yeah. Well, just and, to, you mentioned like Biden just not having any understanding of what's actually going on. And I know we were talking on the phone earlier about this, but I just wanted to read this. So this happened October, what was today? October 26th? Yes, yeah, it was today. Mm-hmm. As inflation continues to rise and supply chain continues to break, the Biden administration on Friday unveiled the first ever national gender strategy aimed at rectifying supposed gender inequality in the U.S. and abroad. And this is posted by the Daily Wire, uh, hashtag Ben Shapiro. But just to kind of summarize this entire presidency, <laughs> the economy is in a downward spiral right now. So many other things are going on in this world, but they're sitting in there in their office in their ivory towers and like, you know what, guys? What we really need is a new gender strategy. Like who, I don't know how we got to this point, but like they're so out of touch with what's taking place in the world. Like walk outside your fucking front door, walk outside the White House or the stage White House that you have or you show your vaccines on there and take a look at what's actually going around. You think anyone gives a, a rat's ass about a new gender strategy? Come on now. I mean, it's it's just, again, another distraction to get people mm-hmm. to focus on the more inclusive policies that this presidency had promised. And sure enough, they'll, they'll never come through with anything that they said they would do. And, you know, here we are just, Oh, it's another thing. You know, we don't pay it any mind anymore. Yeah. It's a, it's like a slap in the face. You know, when you see, when you hear that news um, to think that this one thing that Americans all, could agree on pretty much everyone can agree on i I don't think that's a uh um minority opinion is that gender is or your, whatever your sex is is determined when you're born and it's off of your chromosomes and you can't just decide to switch um you can get hormone therapy and change your hormones and then consider yourself uh you know to be a woman but you're not. Um, and that's just, this is part of what I want to get into. And I guess we could go ahead and and get into it. But real quick, did you see the, um, it's a meme now, but the picture of Biden, um, at the town hall where he like pauses and he's like holding his hands. Like he's (laughs) like, he's riding a pony, but he's just like freezes there for a little bit. It's, it's pretty weird. And 
it's just one of the the many examples of Biden just being an old, you know, demented president. How old is he? Uh, I think he's 78. I, I don't know, actually. Let me look it up. Joe Biden age. Yeah, he is 78. Well, how old is Donald Trump? We're about to find out. Donald he's Trump's got to be up there too. He's seventy-five. So yeah, it's not—it's not like so there's. But you look at the different types of communication and when they're on the debate floor and just interacting with other people. Like clearly, Joe Biden is—he's done. He's got a couple brain cells left that are sparking their last charge, and you know, it's almost that's why America's considered this laughing stock now is because our our president can't even formulate a sentence. He doesn't know where he's at. He's talking about spaghetti. He's talking about his hairy legs underwater in a pool. Like this guy has yeah. no, no cognitive ability that's to be the science. president of the United States and of the free world. And I think that's yeah. just a, a political industry issue where we have, where we've got all these old heads that continue to ride the backs of the taxpayers money. And that's something that needs to change, but that's a, a conversation for another time. Yeah, Joe Biden, he's he's too old. And did you see there was a um, the White House put out a tweet of Joe Biden promoting his Build Back Better plan bill, like the three point five trillion dollar bill. And yeah. it's him with a disabled guy sitting in a wheelchair. And let me f- pull up this. Actual oh, I've, I've seen. Yeah, thing. I know what you're talking about. Where it's um, the guy's name is Brandon, and so this is so obvious that they're they know that he, the people don't like Joe Biden, and they're trying to um, subvert the "Let's Go Brandon" um, trend because that it is really caught on. I mean, there was even a congressman wearing the "Let's Go Brandon" mask going into. Uh, the um, Congress building or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They're just so... God, I can't get the video out of my head where Kamala's like on her walk whenever they figured out that Biden won the presidency. You're like, we did it, Joe. We did it. God. It's piercing a, my ears. What a couple they are. Oh, here we go. Are you pulling oh, up the dude, uh, I didn't even realize uh, Greg Abbott tweeted, let's go, Brandon. They've all done it. Ted Cruz was at the Astros game against the Red Sox on, I don't know, Friday maybe, Friday or Saturday, and a fan holding a sign that said, let's go, Brandon, took a picture with them, posted on Twitter, and Ted Cruz quoted it. So they're all aware. <laughs> it's just there's nothing that can be done, I feel like. Yeah, <clears throat> Ted Cruz is really uh, he's uh, pretty active on Twitter, isn't he? Yeah, he's gotten in some trouble though. Um, back during, I guess that was February when Texas in the South had that really big ice storm, and like the energy mm-hmm. and stuff was a, a big issue. He fled to uh, Cancun or Cabo or something like that. Just not a, not a good look. And I'm a conservative. Oh, yeah. I'll say that like it was a bad decision on his part. Um, because we would say the opposite about, or we'd say the same thing about a Democrat leaving the country during a, a 
a crisis like that. So you got to hold them both to the same standard. I'd, I'd agree. I remember that. It wasn't a good look. Um, I'm trying to find this uh, tweet by the government or the White House. But anyways, I'll find it later. But so I guess we'll transition to there's this video that kind of went viral. Um, I saw it a couple weeks ago, but it's a former. So this video is in 1985. It was recorded. It was an interview with a former KGB agent named uh, Yuri Beznanov. If I'm saying that right. And so he worked for the KGB uh, in Russia. His dad was a um, a prominent KGB agent. And then he came over. He fled Russia and because he did not um, want to be a part of the KGB anymore. But the video and the interview is talking about this thing called ideological subversion. Hmm. Or psychological warfare. And how you don't need to invade a country like the typical war that you would expect, right? Like where boots on the ground, stuff like that. Yeah. So he gives four steps. So basically what this is, ideological subversion, is to change the perception of reality in such a way that no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interest of defending themselves, their community, or their country. So you could see how that'd be pretty valuable if you were an enemy of freedom or the USA. And it's four steps. The first one is called demoralization. So I was talking about that earlier. And it's basically, he explains it like this. It takes approximately three generations for this to happen so 15 to 20 years per um, which is the minimum time to educate one generation of students so you can think about woke school boards and woke colleges teaching all this stuff um oh yeah i see it says is a process of encouraging unrighteous behavior or encouraging condescension of moral character and belittle those who take a high moral position. And we, we've seen that unfold where it's turned from, you know, video, feelings to you fact. Can, yeah. You got to watch the video. It's pretty creepy um, because it's in 1985 and he said it's, it's already happened, but it's pretty much exposing us to the ideology of the enemy, which be it Marxism or Leninism, Leninist ideas. Um, so communist socialist ideas, um, which then turns basically when you're demoralized, a demoralized person exposing them to the truth does not matter. Um, they can't discern the truth and they're unable to access that. Then the next step is destabilization, which is occurs in two to five years uh, where the subverter does not care about your patterns of consumption. And this happens in the economy, foreign relations, and defense systems. So keep in mind, this guy is a former KGB agent. Where they have communist, communism in Russia, and he learned this stuff. Which you can think about the economy, um, what we're doing overseas, defense systems. I mean, they've all gone woke. And 
that's part of destabilization. Yeah, anything that distracts society. So, very true. And then, yes. And then there's a crisis period. So, this can occur in up to six weeks. I was thinking of what our crisis could be, and it might have happened in the past. Um, but pretty much after the crisis, with the violent change of power structure and the economy, you enter a period of normalization where this all becomes normal and where they're trying to make vaccine passports and social credit scores normal to everyone. And so those are like to think like people like Alex Jones have been talking about this, how we're in an information war and there's plenty of people talking about it, but I just thought that was fascinating and very creepy when I saw that video for the first time. Well, it's, it's yeah. crazy because it's now like we see, like we had this feeling and we kind of see it play out, but there wasn't like a term or a specific thing that we could pinpoint it to. Like, okay, this is the steps of destabilization or whatever the case is. But this quote says, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Even if I shower him with infor- information, with authentic proof, with documents and pictures, he will refuse to believe it. That's the tragedy of the situation of demoralization. Like that's, you can see, we have conversations with people where you can prevent facts and evidence and they're so caught up in their own ways and their own agenda that they just will refuse to believe anything you have to say. So that's, we're living through that right now. Yep. Like you tell people about (laughs) what's going on in um, like Australia where they're actually, they've built concentration camps for dissenters. And, you know, their premier, the the person who runs, like, I think, uh, New Zealand, they talked about, a reporter asked them a question on how the vaccine mandates are creating a two-tier society. And if that's something that she wanted. And she basically said, yes, that's what we want. And it's just so obvious. Um now but they're trying and you see this in like the school like that one video we talked about with the teacher they pledge allegiance to the pride flag all these things are and they're not people that necessarily are agents or anything like that they could be that teacher she just went to a um, very leftist college and she learned these ideas and she thought they were right, and that was the utopia. But then they spread the ideas. But the thing that the guy talked about was that once the normalization period happens, those leftists, they are not kept around. They're, they're in, they end up in the firing squad. Like, they're the, one of the first people to go. And it just it recycles. Like, there'll be a new like very left person. And then if this ever happens is what the guy is saying. It's very creepy. So is that, and then the last step would be the normalization, which you were kind of just already talking about. Yeah. Where everything seems like normal, which could, you could say that this COVID year, luckily we're not in, in, well, and where I'm at in Texas and we're at Nashville. Uh, it's not like that, but like in California and New York, those people are in a normalization. They think this is normal. Yep. So, 
which is interesting. There's like songs like the, uh, I think, yeah, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Californication. I think they talk, they just talk about the communists come in from the, from China to the coast and with all these ideas. And you could see that's kind of how you have to do it. I guess you can, you can plant ideas and stuff. Um, but the coast, they, they went first. It's interesting. Yeah. And a lot of it's just, you know, that predictive programming and the symbolism and to go back to the whole normalization thing to slowly make you believe that the current world and the events taking place around it are just the pace that we're on when it's something that's man-made and it's freaky, man. Did, uh, what's his name? Bezmanov. Did he provide some, uh, some course of action to reverse this and to get back to uh to normal society or, or what is this just where we're stuck <laughs> in the apocalypse now? Well, he didn't provide any. Um. <laughs> well, granted this was in the 1980s. So yeah, it's definitely been 60 years. <clears throat> well, I think this is why it's important to like have conversations like this because <laughs> Like if someone tells you, oh, that it's just normal, like that's that must be a red flag, and you got to realize, you know, maybe they don't understand that they're falling victim to this thinking, and it's really difficult. I've been, I've been trying to think about this and thinking about human nature, but how do you like? They, they call it hitting someone in the mouth, where they're like, oh, I. I woke up. I like, whoa, what the heck? Which it's hard because people, you try to tell them something and they immediately close off and that's human nature because they don't want to be told something. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. Like all it does is it takes a conversation to, to get things started. But I'm curious is if we are so deep into this hole, right? Like I, I socialize with a lot of people. I'm around a lot of people and, these conversations like the one we're having now are very few and far between. Do you almost have to be like completely submerged in the idea and the action of, okay, we're going to reverse this. We're going to get back on track. Like, do you have to be completely submerged in that for there to be any progress? Because if we're just like kind of passively talking about and passively incorporating these new things in our lives, it's, you know, a hundred or 99% obedience is a hundred percent disobedience. Right. So it's, you kind of got to find the middle ground and, and what's worth it to you personally, because you're not going to be the one person that is so obsessed with this when no one else is trying to help you out. You, you can't win it. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, um, isolate yourself by having these ideas. Um, and that's just, I guess you got to pick and choose the people you're willing to have relationships with at this point. And, that's that's it's crazy but you try to tell certain people but if they if they just have this idea of totalitarianism and no no rights you can't do you can't really do anything but i do think the conversations are good um and then eventually like you have a a buddy who's thinking one way who's kind of stuck in the matrix in a way and then eventually after repeated kind of like little hints at certain things, they think it's their 
idea in their mind, giving them the the reason like, oh, I realize now I knew this and this is, I realize what's going on now. And it just takes them to come to that conclusion. Mm. Scary, scary times. Well, I know um, we were kind of talking a little bit earlier about what was going on in the Loudoun County, Lodon County in Virginia. I don't know if you're ready to kind of segue into that, but it's just something yeah. that's been <clears throat> bothering me. And uh, so I wanted to kind of talk about that if you're ready for it. Oh, I'm ready. This one's deep. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It's freaking crazy. So for anyone that doesn't know or is unfamiliar with what event we're talking about, I believe it was this past summer, maybe I think when the incident first took place. And um, so I'm sure you guys are familiar with the new transgender bathroom laws and, and how that varies across different school districts and stuff. But in Loudoun County, the school district in Virginia, they had adopted the transgender bathroom. So, you know, I'm a male, but if I feel like a female, then I can walk into the the ladies' restroom and do my business in there if I want to. So in this case specifically, there was a 14-year-old girl, and um, she was in the restroom, and a teen boy, a male, wearing a skirt, walked into mm-hmm. the restroom and sexually assaulted her, 14 years old. And um, the girl, like I said, told her father or told the school district or someone, and they ended up doing a rape kit on her and figured out that she was in fact sexually assaulted. And the school superintendent, Scott Ziegler had denied any record of sexual assault. And uh, it's funny enough, the teen boy that did this to this girl was then transferred to another neighboring school where he committed another act and was eventually arrested. Yeah. Did it again, did it again. And they denied it and nothing ever happened until Scott Smith, the father of the, the daughter that was raped or sexually assaulted was arrested at a school board meeting after he vocalized his his anger and rightfully so, and said he mm. planned on sco- uh, suing the school board, and he was then arrested. So, just shows who they're protecting out here, and it's extremely unfortunate. And this is not the first event, and it won't be the last event of a woman or or even a male being sexually assaulted because someone decides to go into another bathroom that they should not be allowed into. So, it's just a an issue that um, when it first came to the forefront, we knew some bad things would come of it. And, you know, now we're starting to see more public stories and, and big news stories of the result of it. So it's, it's really scary. Yeah. So I heard about this story and <clears throat> there's actually, I mean, just first off, how tragic a situation, no one wanted that to happen. Um, and you can see how tribal that the school board meetings have gotten in, in this Loudoun County, specifically um, that same school district. Um, they had controversy earlier this year because uh, they had really heated school board meetings uh, about critical race theory. And then they actually suspended a gym teacher who refused to use uh, the students' preferred pronouns. Um. And then this happens. Uh, it's just, it's a whole lot of like bad. And 
I don't really know what kind of like how this happens. It's just anyways, like there's a protest today, I think where the kids in Loudoun County in Briarwoods high school in Virginia, they walked out. Mm -hmm. Um, which is good. I mean, there, there needs to be some sort of action and it's unfortunate that it has to be the children to start some sort of change or to get the conversation started. Um, Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just these sort of policies just allow for these sexual predators to have an excuse to go act on their emotions. And it's, ugh, I can't even imagine having a daughter or even a son, you know, it could happen both ways. And, yeah. you know, you're supposed to trust the school system and they're supposed to be safe at school. And then you hear this terrible story about some kid taking advantage of his daughter in the bathroom because he's gender fluid and it's, it's disgusting really. Yeah, that is, I, you know, for hopefully there's some, whatever you want to call it, angels or good, good spirits helping the father deal with this because you can't even understand that feeling. Um, especially I'll extend that to the actual child too. It's, it's wrong. It's evil. And it shouldn't have happened because, because there's two genders. All right. There's male, there's female. (laughs) And you can't like, look, all right, there's human nature. We know this. And let's talk about the classic example of you got, a woman in a tight dress walking down a dark alley. I have no issue with a a woman doing that, but we have to acknowledge the differences between male and female and human nature where, I mean, you just do, we got to blatantly say it that men, some men have no control over their sexual desire and they are born with stronger bones. Generally, and they're stronger, more fitter. They're more able to physically assault a female who more generally is always weaker and can't protect themselves. That's why men have to protect females. And, you know, I'm all for independent woman. All right. But <laughs> and that's not like what you're, what you're saying should not be a political opinion. You know, it's based in science. It's biological and genetical differences between men and women. And yeah, there's, that's why there's like this whole, I mean, we all know, like as kids, like if you had a son or a daughter, like, Hey, the son needs to protect the daughter. The daughter does not need to walk home at night. She shouldn't be out late. Like those are just things built in the fabric of our society because we are aware that, like you said, some men have no control over their sexual desires and will pursue them understanding the consequences because they they need to indulge in that temptation and it's an unfortunate especially, thing especially when they're given more opportunities and that provides a great opportunity for someone with mental health issues that wants to assault someone when they're allowed to freely change their gender and go into the female bathroom and that that seems exciting to them yeah and, and it's not they, a chick there's a girl in there and then like not it's not going to happen every time, but you can see where 
these opportunities can accumulate. But Correct. And it's not to, you know, if you're transgender or you, you feel more comfortable in a woman's bathroom, you know, it is what it is. That's not what we're talking about right now. But these policies that legally grant these individuals the right to choose what bathroom they go into allow for sexual predators, not maybe just a normal transgender person, but allow sexual predators to exploit these policies to take advantage of these men and women. And that's that's what we're talking about. It's not a transgender issue. It's this policy has granted those creepy ass people, the ones that need to go to jail for the rest of their lives. It's granted them this opportunity to indulge in that temptation. And that's I don't know what's going to change. I mean, are you going to have a security guard posted outside of every bathroom? Obviously not. But do you do you well, use the bathroom in a public place now? Like if you're a girl by yourself and you're concerned about that, like it's it's a sad thing. Guess, and it's shifting kind of the norms of society for sure. Yeah, I guess these issues, I'm glad <clears throat> we don't have that here in Texas, but um yeah, I guess you just have to accompany your your partner, or your daughter into the female bathroom and just you know, but that's just not how we should live and um I was going to make a point, but I lost my train of thought. Um it's just sad and oh yeah, yeah. So, did you see the there's like this video that went viral a couple months ago of this I think it was an angry mom. She was at a spa. I think this was in California. And she's like, there. So there's a, a female side and a male side, right? She's like, there's a man with his penis out in in the sauna or whatever. Um, and she goes and like she's yelling at the person at the front counter. Um and you can see there's like a bunch of people waiting in line and and the person's like assuring her like no it's it's okay she's a f- it's a it's a girl it's a female but obviously how can you explain that to um your like 8-year-old daughter like why is there this uh big man in here with you know his his penis out and you can't and then if she goes to explain the situation she's like upset obviously that her daughter is subject to this and there's a huge line and then you see these social justice warriors come to the man's defense and it's just someone's got to step up in that situation like you can't just people are just so afraid to stick their neck out that's what it is people are well people it's are generally yeah, but it's specifically with that with that group. Like, there's almost like a group of untouchables. Like, if you do something against this one group, or someone has this characteristic, like, <laughs> doesn't matter what what's going on. Like, you're going to be in some deep shit after. But I'm reading it right now because I I definitely remember this story happening, and uh, the worker. So it was at a spa in LA. I don't know if you mentioned that. Um, but yeah, it was a, a male, a transgender male, I guess a female to a male or a, a male that was currently transitioning, but either way, still had the penis. And uh, it was in the women's section of the spa. And it said that there were young girls present in the spa. So one of the mothers yeah. confronted the worker and said, hey, you need to tell this person to leave. And the employee refused to confront the customer defending their sexual orientation. So it's like, oh, well, they're transgender. So you got to let them do what they want to do. Are you, are you high? Like, that's not right. Yeah. It's not a, it doesn't. 
And to say like, oh, well, that's her sexual orientation. You have to respect it. Like that shows that it's not about protecting the people who are getting the brunt end of this sort of thing. Like the, the kids are just the customers of this place. Yeah. But like you're protecting kids, this really. one person that should not be doing what they're doing in the first place. And it's shows just the compliance of a lot of these businesses. And I'm not surprised this took place in Los Angeles of all places anyways, because I'm sure exactly. in Texas that would not happen. And, you know, we know that we were from there. We know how the, the land works and stuff like that, but it's, uh, it's just, yeah. Sad. I mean, that was, you're just pretty much the person was protecting their business. And so, you know, it comes back to money and, and doing stuff like that. And, oh dude. Yeah. It's just the demoralization right there. Um, for example, these ideas that, you know, have you read the book 1984? I have not. No, I need to finish reading it, but <clears throat> it's pretty much, they live in this, uh, post modern society where, um, pretty much they, they change the news, like the news happens and they go and rewrite history. And it's like, everyone is in this weird, like apocalyptic hive mind where, everyone's thinking they know what's right. They're like, okay, this didn't happen, but everyone's afraid because they think everyone's thinking the opposite and they're afraid to speak up because they don't want to get in trouble. And we're kind of headed there and we might even be there. I need to read up that book. But. Well, one of the, something else I kind of wanted to talk about, um, just kind of like the shift culturally and, and, within our society where we have like these very unfortunate circumstances that take place in these events that take place and kind of what you touched on earlier about like people sticking out their necks. It's all about like filming now. And I feel like there's a lot, I mean, I don't know. I haven't had anything happen to me, but I feel like there's a lot of things that could be de-escalated if the person standing by the witness, instead of getting on their phone and pulling out Snapchat, just someone intervenes and tries to de-escalate the situation and it's not their place to do it anyway. But like, it, like that doesn't exist anymore. Like everyone, as soon as something happens, is just, oh, I got to pull my phone and record this. Like whether it's a fight, whether it's a homeless person getting beaten, whether it's someone stealing or X, Y, and Z, so right. many different things have happened. Like people just get on their phones and they post it and that's all that we see. Nothing is ever done. Like no one is out there helping out the fellow American. That you're right. It's like a, a weird social experiment that's in play right in front of our eyes. Like, there's this one uh, <clears throat> experiment I was hearing about that they had like these people come in for these um, uh, what's it called surveys, right? They would come in and complete a survey in this room, and so they'd close the door, and then when there was one person in there, so this was the thing they would put they would put smoke under the door, and so the person doing the survey. Uh, writing their answers down, they would see the smoke and they'd be like, what's going on? They bang on the door and they'd open the door and they'd be rescued. But they'd seen when they added two people or multiple people inside the room and they're doing their survey and then they see the smoke come in. Everyone's just like looking around and you got certain people that you got to trust your gut instinct. Ultimately you have to trust yourself and you can't, like when times are t tough and it comes down to your gut judgment, 
I mean, the tough people, the ones with intuition, are those are going to be the people that are going to get out. They're going to be saved. They're going to survive. And the people who are followers who, I mean, they're just leaving it to chance. And Yeah. And they call that, I remember learning about that in my psychology class, they call that diffusion of responsibility. And when mm, yep. you're in a place where there's other bystanders around, you're less likely to take action or become involved because you believe the next person is going to take action. But it's just like this. If you're on the highway. Door. Yeah. It's like. You see a car wreck. And it's like, oh, well, the next person's going to stop. The next person's going to call 911. The next person's going to handle the situation. And everyone's thinking the same thing. So nothing ever gets fixed. You see someone like you're looking out your apartment window and you see some woman being assaulted. You're like, oh, someone else will call. You hear a scream. Someone else will call. And hopefully in their cases, they, someone does. But yeah, you're right. It's it's a phenomenon that does happen. I mean, working I'm out like working in the bars, like when there's a fight or when someone's hammer drunk, no one is there to lend a hand. It's always let me pull out my phone and get some clout. That would be if I was ever in a situation that's it sucks, too, because if someone you're like angry and upset. And then someone pulls out their phone and puts it in your face. That's like the ultimate test of your your willpower. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I mean it's, it. we see it all the time now. It's like I'm filming you, like I'm filming you. I've got my phone out, and <laughs> safe to say now, like it's a good uh, thing to do because if it's going to come down to a he said she said, at least you have it on video and you've got evidence and stuff. But if like if we just put the phone to the side and like just try to de-escalate it ourselves. Like, I feel like so many more issues will get solved, but it's all about just like people yeah. getting more infuriated and yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah. all about their cloud. And like you said, um, the, have you seen the videos of the paparazzi hiding out and like in pretty much running up on Kanye? Have you seen those videos? Oh yeah. Like fucking TMZ or something. They are definitely the worst. Yeah, they're soulless. They're spineless. Like when you see, it's like Kanye opens his garage. It's like 3 a.m. And he's getting Good morning, into Kanye. his car. Shut the yeah, fuck up. Like, I would be so... Uh, but they have millions of dollars. They can wipe their tears with those dollar bills. Well, to, um, since we're just kind of talking about like news and, and TMZ and stuff, they were the first to report the Kobe crash. And uh, oh, really? they reported misinformation. They said Kobe was killed or, or something like that, but it did involve all the information and uh, they got in a lot of trouble for that. But I remember this Denzel Washington quote. He said, uh, if you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. And like, I think about that a lot. It's a great quote. I'm going to read it one more time. If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. So it's just like controlling the wave of information. And you kind of have to pick and choose like what you listen to and what you hear and, you know, what you act on because you never know if someone's lying. You never know the agenda. And so it's like a, we're in a really weird place where you really have to be cautious of that sort of thing. I agree. Our back had a little bathroom break. So I wanted to um, talk about this Alec Baldwin thing a little bit. I know we we talked about it on the the normal podcast, but yeah, out of pocket, shout it out, <laughs> out of pocket, shout it out. Um, I don't know when it happened. It may have been 
Saturday night, Saturday at some point. Um, but Alec Baldwin during one of his, I guess, shootings for his movie Rust, which they're filming in New Mexico, I believe, he fired yes. a prop gun, believing it was a prop gun, and ended up shooting two people, killing one of them. And unfortunately, the the woman he killed, Helena Hutchins, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. The last name is Hutchins. Um, she was a cinematographer, really good at her job from what I've been reading. Um, and just like a really strange Tragic. series of events. Um, and so I, I did a little bit more research on it today. And... I read that the gun that ended up killing this woman, they used it in a live ammo target practice hours before they actually did the shooting for the movie. So they would go out because they're in New Mexico, like the desert, they would go out and just shoot like beer cans and stuff. And that same gun was used with live ammunition. And then they bring it back and use it as a prop gun, which seems very unprofessional, um, obviously against a lot of rules and regulations. But to kind of go into a little bit of, I don't want to say conspiracy, but just these are facts and you can interpret it however you want. So Helena mm-hmm. Hutchins, the the woman who was killed, her husband, Matt, is a corporate lawyer and he is currently defending Mr. Sussman, who was a formal feder- federal prosecutor who was accused of lying to the FBI regarding the Trump organization and a Russia bank known as Alpha Bank. And what's interesting about this case is Sussman, who is the man that Mr. Hutchins is defending, said he received his information, which he gave to the FBI, from the Clinton Foundation. And so it's just a strange series of dots that you can kind of pinpoint. It's really random to think that this cinematographer and hear this, this is the kicker right here. Helena Hutchins was currently in progress of developing a documentary exposing pedophiles and you can search this up this is public knowledge this is getting weird yes. so let me get this straight real quick so alec baldwin shot the gun it killed helena helena is doing the pedophile doc and her husband is a lawyer defending someone who is against the clinton um, foundation correct so he sussman provided knowledge and information that he received from the Clinton foundation to, I guess, take a jab at, at the Trump organization. And this was in regards to like his connections with Russia, but Sussman, the federal prosecutor at the time got this information from the Clinton foundation, turned out it was either a lie or whatever, but he's being accused of lying to the FBI. And so it's just like a weird, weird dots. Like it seems like something that's a completely different event. And then here we are like dealing with the Clintons and pedophilia and Hollywood elites. Like it's just, it's a very strange thing and I'm not trying to take away from her tragic death. Like it's an awful thing either way, but you know, when the facts are in front of us and you see these stories, like you kind of have to question a little bit and be like, well, what's the reasoning here? It just seems too much of a coincidence to, uh, to just take a look and not say anything. So I wanted to bring that up and kind of see what you thought about that. Dude, that, that's kind of blowing my mind right now. I can't even, you know, it is, you're connecting dots, but you know, it's right in front of you. It's, it's so weird. And you know, the Clintons, they're shameless and they're involved with shady dealings and, um, God, dude, that is so weird. And 
to think so are you i wonder does alec baldwin he's got a is does he have a clean clean record in this in pedophilia i don't know there's there's no telling and i haven't looked into that whatsoever um and so it was weird matt the husband of the woman who was killed met with alec baldwin after the event um and like i guess they had breakfast it's just like a weird weird thing obviously he's shocked at oh, you know what's crap. taking place but it's it's kind of like who where does the fault come down who's to blame right and the director of the movie who is in charge of everything provided the gun to alec baldwin and said it was clear so i don't know it's well, just a scary <clears throat> event yeah i mean let's go back so prop gun is kind of a misnomer it's basically just a real gun that they interchange the bullets. Uh, you could take out the bullet, I'm pretty sure, and you shoot a blank round, and that's what you shoot. Uh, they're still deadly um, at close range. Like, if you shot a blank into your head, like, you'd still die from the explosion. But they're not deadly if you shoot at range, from what I understand. Um, but gun safety, when you shoot a gun, you're responsible for what happens mm-hmm. afterwards. So, um, I think Alec Baldwin's ultimately at fault. Um, and especially, I think he's done a couple movies where he's shot a gun before. Could be wrong on that, but that's what I've heard. And you just got to know, like, when you shoot, you're shooting a gun, you got to check and you got to know what you're shooting, okay? Like, a gun, it's not a play toy, it's a, a real thing. And I, I think Alec Baldwin's definitely at, at fault. Yeah. And so you, you, can't you can't say it's ignorance of how to use a gun because I'm sure they went through proper training and he's been a movie star for years now. Like I'm sure he's had a gun in his hand at some point throughout any of these movies. And so I don't know how the scene was set up. Like, I don't know why he was aiming at her. Maybe she was just filming the shot in front of him and he was shooting off to the side and she was just in the way. Um, It just just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. So, from what I've heard, he could have been aiming directly to the left of the camera. Um, and so the person holding the camera, Helena, who got shot, she inadvertently got shot because maybe Alec Baldwin pulled the gun when he shot it and the trajectory changed from being to the left of her. Um, and then he shot and pulled and he actually shot her. But that's just, uh, but I guess yeah. going back to the misuse of the gun and not preparing correctly. Like if you knew you were going to use that gun later and it needed to be a prop gun, why would you go out to the the desert just a couple hours before and throw some live rounds in it and shoot some beer cans? Like that just seems extremely unprofessional and obviously unsafe and hindsight 2020 resulting in in this event. So I've got some questions for Alec Baldwin. I'll push back on that because ultimately you want the gun to fire properly because it is shooting a, a blank, right? You, you want the gun to be firing correctly. So I don't, I don't see necessarily an issue with going to the gun range and making sure it works. But not, but like beforehand, let's say they do that and which is fine. And they come back to the, the shoot where they are about to film. No one's like, Hey Alec, you made sure there's no real bullets in there. Right? Like, Knowing that that's well, a possibility. Ultimately, ultimately, that's where someone fell short, where he, he didn't check or 
Who knows? But that's someone, like the last place you, someone needs to skip a step of preparing. So that's – I wonder if we'll see something come out of this. I don't know if he'll get jail time. Um, that's where I'm wondering what's going to be the legal proceedings because he's very uh, leftist, I, I would say. Yeah, he's been very vocal about gun control and gun rights on his Twitter page. So yeah, it's um, came back around, I guess. I saw this. You sent this to me when it happened. This was actually a no. It wasn't. I think it was Friday. Yeah, it was Friday. You sent it to me in the morning, and it's like right when I woke up, I looked at it, and I wasn't sure. I thought it was like a meme or something. I, I wasn't sure it was real, but when I was going on, uh, I went and visited a property, and they had the news playing, and it said Alec Baldwin shoots someone. I was like, oh my god! It almost felt like. I didn't realize that you had sent it to me and I thought it was some sort of like vision that I had. It was crazy, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen to him, but I guess we'll, we'll see. We'll keep, keep the listeners uh, updated on that, but I think we've, we've covered a lot and I kind of wanted to wrap it up with <clears throat> just talking about the uh, KGB guy again and where we're at as a country. Um, we kind of covered it all, but I just think it's so creepy how when you hear it, it makes sense for me. When it, when I hear this is what the KGB they've, they've studied. This is how they plan to uh, subvert our American principles and ideologies for their communist ideologies. Um, and America really is the last beacon of freedom and we're being cornered in. Uh, this administration seems to be blindly following the subverted ideology, or they're maybe a part of it, or it's a combination. There could be agents, spies. Um, and I think it's just important to control what we can control and maybe explain it to certain people. And that's kind of that's kind of all I got. Yeah, I. Uh- I liked what we had to talk about today. I felt like we covered some good ground. Um, Looking forward to next week because we will have guest Kirby Campbell on. She is a huge um, conservative and very involved in the community. And so we'll have the the pleasure of having her on. She's a lot more articulate and uh, eloquent than we are. (laughs) So I'm excited to hear what she's got to say and and what she can bring to the conversation. Um, But yeah, hopefully nothing too crazy happens within this upcoming week, but there's always new news to report and yeah. we'll go from there, I guess. Yeah. There's a whole lot to go on. There was something I completely forgot about. Maybe you can wrap it up real quick. Um, so there was a uh, proposal by the federal uh, reserve chair, Janet Yellen, uh, how they want to tax mm. quote unquote billionaires on their unrealized capital gains. Basically meaning, um, you're normally taxed on your capital gains this is pretty much a, an investment. So you purchase a stock and you purchase GameStop and it goes from 10 bucks to 400 and you don't have to pay taxes on anything until you sell mm-hmm. and you pay taxes on the difference between your gain pretty much. And so they're wanting to tax people on the gain before people realize it, which is completely ludicrous 
it's like would that would ruin the economy mm-hmm. um, and I would say listeners look it up a little bit and it, it makes no sense yeah but I mean it's got to cover that one yeah you you've got a stock for a hundred bucks it goes up to 200 you're up a hundred dollars in your gains and they're gonna tax you on that before you sell it's gonna force people to get rid of their assets and liquidize a lot sooner and they say it's for the nope. the uber wealthy and the the one percent and you know we've kind of seen how all these tax plans that they say are just for the one percent how they trickle down to the the common americans so don't be surprised if this is something that impacts you in your daily life unless we've got like a a mark cuban listening to our podcast <laughs> that's got billions of dollars but yeah just be prepared yeah um oh man we could have dived deep on that one but some research for next time. Yeah, we'll bring it up to uh, Kirby. So I'm really excited for that episode. She's going to have a lot to talk about. I'm just ready to, to learn and, and hopefully guide it in a way. But yeah, so we'll see y'all next Tuesday. Uh, be sure to listen to the Out of Pocket podcast, our cultural podcast with me, Ben, and Austin. That goes up on Sunday afternoons. And this is Decoding the Matrix. I'm Jack Robinson, and I'm signing out. All right. See y'all later. Peace.